uh, just to recap, uh, the first two weeks of Missions Month, uh, not by plan, but what I call uh, God incidents, because uh, those are pretty cool, uh, was based out of Acts, uh, and Acts 1 through to Acts 8. And in, in week one, I shared this idea of you, the missionary, and how uh, we're all called uh, as followers of Jesus Christ and commissioned uh, for a mission and for a purpose uh, in uh, God's kingdom uh, is his disciples. And I talked about how uh, we take a hold of the story of his story, uh, which we heard again last week is this uh, overarching meta-narrative story that is the Bible uh, in its completeness. Uh, we talked about how we can take part in his story, take a hold of his story, take part in his story, and then the importance of sharing our own story. And then last Sunday, uh, Johannes shared with us how our witness uh, is a 24-7 thing. So it's something that we do uh, all the time and that is happening uh, every day just in our uh, existence as followers of Christ. And he asked us the question, what's our part in the kingdom? So take a minute and just to think about that if you haven't already throughout the week, but what's your part in the kingdom? And if you've missed any of those messages, uh, as Phil said, uh, they'll be available on iTunes uh, and also available on your uh, Easy Church app this week. They're not available there just yet because uh, Easy Church are rebuilding their site, so I need to work out what they're doing, but they will be available uh, on there this week. So go in and have a listen to those uh, if you missed that. But this morning I want to build on uh, the first two weeks that we've had and look at how we approach, uh, I guess, our week and how we approach uh, each day with a missions mindset. Have you ever thought about that? What it looks like to approach your Monday through to Friday uh, with a missions um, mindset. Uh, and if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to start uh, this morning in Romans 10 verse 14 through to 15 and looking at why missions is so important. I'm reading out of the New King James uh, this morning. And it says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they, shall, shall, how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and who bring glad tidings and good things. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, uh, for your word. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that uh, your word says that as we stand here and meet in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, that you are with us. And so, Father, we just pray uh, that this morning that your will will be done. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use my words, Father God, and by your Holy Spirit, multiply it into every heart, uh, your message uh, this morning. Father God, that you may be glorified, and Lord, that you may have your way in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So Paul, leading up to these verses, uh, he's preaching to the church about salvation through Jesus Christ, salvation through, through faith in Jesus. And this is, this is at a time when uh, Paul had been preaching uh, in Jerusalem and, and to the Jews, and the Jews got to the point where they'd started to reject him, 
and they'd started to reject his message. And so from there, uh, Paul uh, and his troops kind of moved out and started preaching uh, the gospel to uh, the Gentiles and to the churches uh, in the other regions, in, in Thessalonica, in Corinth, um, and in Rome. And uh, he's, he's teaching them in, in this passage. He says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he asks these questions. How then will they call on his name if they don't believe in him? How will they believe in him if they haven't heard of him? How will they hear of him if there isn't someone to tell them about him? Or as it puts it in this passage, to preach. And how shall they who don't yet know him then go on to preach or to fulfill their God-given purpose if they have not been sent. You know, the word that's used here uh, for preach is a word that means to bring a message or to announce good news. And who knows that we've got a great message and some very good news that people need to hear um, in our worlds. Anyone else know that? Uh, you know, more specifically in Scripture, uh, the word preach means to preach the gospel message of salvation through Jesus Christ. That is the good news. And so the point I believe that Paul is trying to make here is that uh, those who haven't heard need to hear. Those who don't believe need to believe. So they can then be sent And we are the ones who bring the message to them. We're the ones who witness of who Jesus is and who witness to Jesus to them. You don't believe, you haven't heard. And it's a message to the church who are called uh, to this great commission to go and preach the gospel. This great mission to go and preach the gospel. Now Romans, in Romans 12, verses one to two, we're told uh, to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And in verse two, uh, it says, don't, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Do, do not conform any longer to the way uh, things used to be, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Being transformed from who we once were to who we are created to be by our creator, being transformed from uh, how we used to think into the image of God and the Christ-likeness that we've been created in, a journey that we are always on and a journey that we're always walking in. And so I want to share uh, two points this morning to take uh, into your working week that uh, I hope will uh, encourage uh, and help you in your mission field, which is where you end up, wherever you end up tomorrow. Uh, two points that will, will hopefully help you and encourage you in that place uh, in a message that I've titled uh, this morning, Go Like Jesus. And for those of you who are taking points, our first point this morning is that we need to grow 
and our love for the lost. Grow in our love for the lost. God is love. And out of his conditional love flows this amazing grace. Out of his conditional love flows this uh, incredible mercy that we've received through salvation. And uh, if you haven't invited Jesus to be a part of your life this morning, that same amazing grace, that same mercy that we've all received is available for you. It's there for you. Uh, And at the end of this message, I'm going to give the opportunity uh, for people to uh, invite Jesus and to invite that grace and that mercy into their lives and to take that step. But this key of love is about our attitude and actions towards others. Sharing and shining the love and the light of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, verses uh, verses 3 and 4 says, But even if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, speaking of uh, the enemy, has blinded, who do not believe, again, there are those people that we've been talking about, those who do not believe, least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. You know, this passage is speaking of a gospel that is hidden from those who need to be shown the light of the world. It's speaking of a gospel that is hidden to those, and it mentions in this passage, by the God of this world, by uh, some translations say uh, the devil, and, and we know that many don't see Christ because of what they see in this world, or that, that uh, Christ is hidden because of what's going on uh, in this world. And it's those people that need to see, uh, that need to see the light of Christ, and that the light needs to shine on. And I think the mistake the church uh, has made in the past, uh, and uh, that uh, individuals make in the past, is that we can We can judge and decide how we're going to treat people before we even know their heart or before we even know them. How many people have walked away from church because of that? By assessing the way that they dress, by assessing the way that they behave, by assessing the way that they speak, Uh, in some places it's even just by the culture and the color of your skin, your ethnic background, and depending on where that kind of fits in, uh, in a person's um, spectrum of approvability on their personal views, uh, the, the, things, the things that they do, you know, we can choose to either engage in life with them or ignore them. How many of us know people who have done that? It's not any of us, but how many of us know people who have done that? You know, we were talking as an eldership on Thursday uh, as we were meeting, and and, uh, the point was mentioned that, you know, God might just send us people 
And God might just send us um, some strange people who don't look or behave the way that we think they should in church. Have you ever thought about that? They don't look or behave the way that we think they should in church. And it reminded me of a story that uh, I heard a pastor tell once. And so he was talking uh, about when he was walking through his church on a Sunday. And uh, pastor of a mega church in the U.S., so over 25,000 people. And he'd walk through the auditorium and he could see everyone's bags on their seats. And he could see everyone's valuables just sitting there as, as people kind of saved their seats and uh, kind of try to make sure that they got their special seat uh, in the auditorium. And uh, he kind of saw that, and, and the thought that came to him uh, as he was looking around was the fact that everyone in church must have felt so safe and so comfortable and so secure with each other. And though there's nothing wrong with that, you know, our coming together and our security is based on our relationship with God, first and foremost. Because how then can we reach people who are outside of our comfort zone? But because he saw that everyone must have felt so safe and comfortable uh, and, and secure, he, this, is what, this is the conclusion he came to, that it probably meant that those in society who were the most problematic, who were the most troubled, who were the most lost, and who were most in need of God, weren't in the church. What a thought. What a mission. And I think it's one of the biggest things that could deter us from mission that fear of people who exist outside of our comfort zone. Matthew 2, verse 17, it says, on hearing this, and, and this, this that it's speaking about here is referring to a question that the Pharisees asked the disciples uh, when they said to them, how, how can Jesus eat and, and drink with the tax collectors and with sinners? And so it says, on hearing this, that question, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And though that includes us, it also includes everyone else outside of our sphere of comfort that we are commissioned and called to reach. And so as we go like Jesus uh, in love and in grace and in mercy for those who do not know him yet, let's grow into a mission-minded people and into a missional church, uh, which is why we have a month focused uh, just on missions that's ready to accept and welcome as family into the kingdom of God, every person who walks through those doors every person who walks into our lives and every person who God sends to connect with us with the unconditional love of God, just the way they are, just the way they come, just like Jesus 
would accept them and welcome them. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 12, Paul encourages the church of Thessalonica, Thessalonica, saying, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and to all. Just as we do, um, just as we do to you. Grow in our love for the lost. And then secondly this morning, Go in the spirit and in truth. As we go like Jesus, we go in spirit and in truth. As I mentioned, we've talked about taking hold of his story and taking hold of the Bible story. Um, And as we do that and as we walk uh, into our weeks, we go into that uh, in spirit and in truth. John 4 verse 23 uh, says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. And then it says, For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Is that not reason enough to live and work, walk our Christian life in spirit and in truth? They are the worshippers the Father seeks. Spirit, God's presence, uh, and the truth, God's word. And as part of God's word and the truth, let's never forget that Jesus is the living word. You know, it's going through each day with uh, an awareness of the Holy Spirit and, and an awareness Uh, of Jesus in your life. Uh, It's going through the day knowing that he's with you. It's going through the day having grabbed a hold of his story, having grabbed a hold of scripture, knowing that at any time when 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 you're at a block road, God can speak to you out of his word and his scripture, what you've already been meditating on. It's knowing that when life throws you a curveball, anyone had a curveball this week? When life throws you a, a bit of a trial and a bit of a challenge, that your default setting is going to be this, to seek God's spirit, to seek God's presence around you. And when you can't feel it and when you can't sense it, because I know that there are those times we seek after his His presence and sometimes there's just nothing. But when you can't feel it and you can't sense the presence of God, then we turn to the word of truth and we turn to Jesus who is truth. Amen? You know, we often talk, we often talk about what that means to outwork uh, your life in spirit and in truth when when it comes to prayer uh, and when it comes to reading the Bible and reading Scripture. Um, but I want to do, do it a little differently this morning and just speak on a more practical level into this. And so uh, I'd like to, on a practical note, suggest that for us to operate in spirit and for us to operate in truth um, practically uh, means that we need to, and if you're taking notes, I think these are good notes to take down, 
means that we need to look after our whole being. Spiritual life, physical life, mental life. Looking after our health, looking after our mind, what we're feeding it, and looking after our spirit in prayer and worship. I think that outworking a lifestyle that's seeking uh, to live in spirit and in truth uh, means resting well. That's why we gave you an extra half an hour on Sunday morning. Tiredness, tiredness impacts your entire being. Catch this. Tiredness impacts your entire being. We all know that it impacts us physically because we feel it. But it also impacts us spiritually. And tiredness also impacts us mentally. Who knows that when they're tired, they're just a little bit more, uh, they're a little bit more likely to get angry easier than when they're not tired. Who knows that when they're tired, they're, they're, they're a lot less likely to be able to focus on a task than when they're not tired. So we need to look after ourselves. We need to rest well. Tiredness impacts your resilience to temptation and to sin. Tiredness impacts your resilience to temptation and to sin. You look after our whole person, rest well, and we need to encourage and strengthen ourselves in faith. Learn to strengthen yourself in your faith. Learn to remind yourself of everything that God has done for you. Man, one of the ways I encourage myself is I remember that there is stuff that I got caught up with as a, as a teenager that by all rights could have ended my life. But by the grace of God, and I believe only by the grace of God, and by the prayers of my mum and my dad. Did I survive that? That encourages me. But remember what God has done for you in your life. Think about what God is doing. It seems really petty, but all small. Not petty, small. But sometimes when I just can't think, sometimes when I just, you ever had those moments where you're just so under pressure, there's so much going on, you just don't know what to think. I just thank God that I'm breathing. He's the air that I breathe. Thank God, thank you that I'm alive. You know, there was, one, there was one day just this past week where I kind of thought, man, there's, I, I'm under this pressure, and then I just kind of felt this real compassion for families who'd lost loved ones that day. Hundreds of people die every day. Hundreds of people die every day. Thank God that I'm alive. 
Think about what God is doing now in your life. And while functioning out of that presence of His Spirit and functioning out of the knowledge uh, and understanding of His Word, uh, we just kind of do those things. Look after our whole being. Rest well and encourage and strengthen ourselves in what God has done and is doing. Amen. John 4 verse 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, the other reason I think that it's really important uh, for us to go uh, in God's spirit and to go in God's truth uh, throughout our week is because today there's a real battle for truth. You take a look at what's going on in, in, in society and politics, you have a look at social media streams, and, and there is a real battle for truth that's waging out there. And, and personally, um, and this is my opinion, um, I, I think that it's a spiritual battle more than it is a personality battle or, an, or a battle of differences of opinion. Now, Ephesians 6, a verse that many of us know well, says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So before you go into any battle with any person or with any battle in any situation, uh, before you go into uh, any conflict, go into battle first in the spiritual realm. Go into battle first in prayer. Declare God's power over your situation. Declare God's sovereignty into uh, your situation. Amen? So, um, as you can see, I got a haircut yesterday. Probably one of the best haircuts that I've had in a long time. It took, took 15 minutes, so normally I take an hour because I do it myself. I kind of go like this for ages and ages. Um, so I like this haircut. It's, um, it's very good. But I was, I, was, uh, I was with the hairdresser who I'd never met before, um, and, and we started talking about Christianity and stuff. Has anyone ever talked to a hairdresser about Christianity and stuff? Man, and, and this, um, man, this, this, she can talk. It's like 15 minutes of full on. And so, you know, I just kind of listened and let her talk. Uh, and every now and then I try to get in there. Uh, when I could, and I told her, uh, you know, that I was brought up Catholic, and she had an, she had quite the reaction to that statement. Uh, I won't tell you if it was a good one or not. Um, she just reacted, and, uh, and and I mentioned what I do and that I'm a Christian, and and it was interesting hearing what she had to to say about life and what she had to say about what she believed and what she thinks is true. Now she believed in God. She was brought up a Christian. Uh, her her family devout Christians and followers of God. She believed in God. Uh, she didn't believe in evil uh, or in bad. Um, and, and she kind of, you know, she kind of wondered why everyone had to, to talk about hell or bad stuff. Why, why can't everyone just talk about good things? Um, but, but who knows that that's just not the reality we live in. 
uh, there is this contrast um, between, again, these principalities and these two forces that, that, that are at war. And, uh, and, you know, she kind of thought that everyone should believe whatever they want to and that, uh, you know, all churches, and she was kind of referring to me too, um, should encourage everyone to believe what they want to believe as truth. Something that's referred to and called subjective truth, where each individual can determine for themselves what their truth is in their life. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Just in case you want to know where I stand with what she was saying. But no matter what anyone thinks is true, no matter what anyone says the truth is, Jesus saying, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. That is, as far as I'm concerned, the truth. That is our message. That Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. That He is the way. That He is the truth. And that He is the life. And going right back, looping right back to our very first message, uh, our very first scripture, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. To those who are yet to hear, who are yet to believe, and who are still to be sent.